Welcome back to Trends in Low Places, a comedic exploration of the dumbest stories of the day. I am one of your hosts, Mike Cushing. And I am the Waluigi to his Luigi, Michael Howard. Wah! Wait, you're the Waluigi. <laughs> I'm the Waluigi because I'm the evil version of you. I mean, it's it's tough because Waluigi is a deranged, dangerous pervert. <laughs> but, like, Luigi yes. is just a, a sad sack piece of shit that no one wants. I don't like, think so. I think he's just a taller Mario. No, he's taller, shittier Mario that no one wants. See, he's, no, I always played with... If I had the choice between Mario and Luigi, I would always play with Luigi. Why is that? Because he was taller, and I'm tall. That's, you were, I'm tall you and were, skinny. I am... You were very tall. You were basically Luigi. That's yeah. fair. You had a my big neck giraffe was, neck. Yeah, my neck was like approximately two inches in diameter and 40 feet tall. And, and half of your body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, but in general internet terms... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Waluigi is a massive deranged pervert. He is, but everyone likes him better. No one likes Waluigi. Are you kidding me? Everyone likes Waluigi better than Luigi, though. Only for memes. Only for the dankest of memes. And that's what I'm here for. Michael, that's not not like. (laughs) That's not love. That's just... You're just here. That's Twitter love? No, you're just just doing it for the gram. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, um, Michael, how how are you this week? Uh, you know, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. How about you? I'm doing okay. Um, I was uh, Michael. You know me. I'm a real big, real big math head. Love, mm. love crunching mm. those numbers. Crunch uh, those numbers. Just crunching them numbies. And um, I was looking at our um, our channel, our our trends in low places listener statistics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, re- just really getting into those lytics and just like you know finding those Oof. insights. And gotta Michael, get those lytics. I have really, really good news for you. Okay, we're I, about I to know, blow up. I don't know the last time you checked our. You found our... ten thousand listeners each time we. No, post an um, I, I, I think it was only one listener that we gained. But I have great news. It is actually God because I don't know if you've seen the slate of stories that we have lined up for this week. But <laughs> holy Christ, that no one could have made a more like. We have such pure, high-octane, trends-in-low-places content. Just the world has gifted to us on a plate. Yeah, we actually started this a little late because I could not stop reading this article. It was it was like a, a book, but I had to read it for the story. It's just like, where do you go from the heist story you're about to tell? A U.S. congressperson running for office who also wrote a Bigfoot sex manual... <laughs> Den- people Den- stole Denver Wiggleman. Yeah, people stole a shark. Like th- someone just teed up. Th- the like, Beatles have never existed. Beatles never existed. A Florida man ran around with a gator that he caught with his bare hands with duct tape oh, yeah. snout through a beer store. Like I would say this this episode might be two hours long, but we will definitely get bored after like an hour and cut it off. Yeah. So you're not going to get probably half those stories we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Sorry. We'll see where we get to. Michael, what do you got for me this week? Oh, my God. The first thing I have for you is... Should I buckle up? You should buckle up. You should buckle in. You should sit down and stand up. I'm actually sitting on a pillow, so I'm very comfortable. Put your right left now. foot in. Shake it all around. Mm-hmm. Doing it. So I don't know if you've seen the Daily Beast article that has gone around about the McDonald's Monopoly game. Mm-hmm. It... So I heard that there was a McDonald's Monopoly game story and it involved basically scamming $24 million worth of prizes over 12 years. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I kind of figured that that was a a rigged game just because no one ever actually won it. But holy shit, this story is bonkers. Yeah. And so before you get into this, I swear to God, I and... There's two things about this. So I don't know. I haven't read the story because I, I know you had been reading it and you were very excited to tell me about it. So I haven't read through most of this, but I almost like I almost believe I read an article like in like the mid 2000s about someone like stealing the finishing like the, the final cup. And I definitely read a Tim Dorsey novel <laughs> where like people stole a like a fast food restaurant like prize cup and like mm-hmm. people were like killing people for this one million dollar cup and i i don't know if it actually happened and i knew about it previously or tim dorsey is just a like 
crime wizard and made this happen over the last 12, 15 years, but please go on. So this actually is the story of this. When it started, when the trial started is actually almost 17 years old now. Okay. So like you almost definitely heard about this. Okay. Here's the problem. The trial started on September 10th, 2001. Okay. I don't know if you remember what happened the next day. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I'm beginning to see the problem. Yeah. Uh-huh, so the yeah. problem is, is that this was a huge story for approximately five that's minutes. How, that's how Joe Scarborough got <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, it just shows you the like huge story that September 11th was, obviously. But for so long, like this trial was going on for basically a year, and no one <laughs> knew anything about it. Yeah. Can, oh, real quick, can we sit? Like, I don't want to get down too in the weeds about this, but like. Can you imagine if 9-11 happened today in, like, the Donald Trump, like, news cycle? (laughs) Like, again, we've talked a little bit about this. Like, MH370 would have been, like, a day-long story rather than two or three months of CNN making holograms when it happened. I feel like 9-11 would be done within a week if it happened, like, today. Because Donald Trump would tweet something stupid. Yeah, I mean, it would be really, uh, like... Do you remember, like, the, the computer-generated models of what happened? Oh, yeah. Like, can you CNN imagine went. the CNN having a hologram of what happened during 9-11? No. <laughs> CNN would go inappropriately hog-wild, <laughs> which I don't know if you can go hog-wild appropriately in a situation like that, but they'd find a way. So, um, this, Yeah, please go on. I would say this McDonald's story, Jerome Jacobson... And his network of mobsters, psychics, strip club owners, and drug traffickers won almost every prize for 12 years. Uh, okay, I was I was wondering where the psychics came in, and now I realize it's more of like a psych situation where they're just, they knew the game was up before. <laughs> there was rigged. Okay. So basically, uh, this man, his last name was Jacobson. They called him Uncle Jerry as a nickname, but he... Ran security for Simon Marketing, which ran the McDonald's uh, Monopoly game for between 1987 or sorry, 89 when it started until 2001 when the jig was up on this. See, game. And, and this is what comes of leaning on your agency. I, I've worked in the agency world before. You get you get complacent. You know, you could just phone in the work. You, you start <laughs> you start telling your friends about, oh, I got this cup worth a million dollars. You want to pee? You, you, you got you to gotta change up the agency every once in a while, folks. Like, if you're ever a CMO, get a new agency. <laughs> I mean, the best part about this was that this dude ran security and he would check employees' shoes. He would make people go to the bathroom with truck drivers. He basically... Would do everything within his power to make sure that no one was trying to steal these game pieces. Right. And so they were like... That had already been stolen This do- right. by him. Okay. So apparently what happens is they have a computer-generated program. It says which factory to allow to make the instant win pieces. So the instant win, $100,000, $250 million, a Dodge Viper, etc. There's sure. instant win because they only make like one of Boardwalk or Park Place. If you, you know, you can get the other one pretty easily, but you can't get the the, the winning one. Oh, I've had I've had <laughs> countless Park Places, my friend. Countless. I've known the, the brutal sting of hoping. <laughs> well, it turns out that if you in the 90s at any point thought you were going to win anything more than a Big Mac from McDonald's, you were sorely mistaken. Can I... So in the 90s, Michael, and I, I don't mean to derail this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This man is not just, he's not liable for the millions of dollars he stole from McDonald's Corporation. Corporation, He is liable for probably dozens of pounds that I accrued over the years by my, me, once I had that Park Place piece, Forcing my father, who had no will and three other children to feed, to go through the McDonald's drive-thru and let me order a supersized value meal because I needed the maximum game pieces for maximum value. Here's the thing. I never thought I was going to win a million dollars. I just wanted, like, a home theater system or some shit. Well, yeah, I was never. I was like, oh, give me all the, the four train stations. Give me Redding. 
you know, whatever that is. Yeah. It's probably, you know, probably a sound system. Like but maybe a Sea-Doo? I would have wanted a Sea-Doo. That's a fine. A Sea-Doo? Give me a Sea-Doo. Yeah. But all I want was more McDonald's food, which in a vicious <laughs> cycle made me buy a large soda along with the fucking, like, McNuggies mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm, won. Mm-hmm. This man is single-handedly, I want to say, responsible for my obesity later in life. I mean, McDonald's- and early in life. <laughs> like, I didn't remember how big of a thing the McDonald's monopoly is because I only remember kind of the end of it when I was in high school and actually, like, buying my own fast food. Like, dude, it was, like, literally in my dad's, like, Chevy Astro van, we <laughs> had, like the, like, the game board map that it was just folded up in a center console and we would all, like, place our, like, game pieces on it if we got one. Like, this is maybe just a shortcoming of the, the Cushing household, which, again, did live on fast food for a number of years. Um, yeah, we were into that shit. <laughs> I mean, so it started in 1989, which I didn't realize. But yeah, me neither. The printing presses were running 24 hours a day. They used 100 railroad cars of paper to print half a billion game pieces each time they played the game. And it was a biannual was... game, so... Whoa. So wasteful. So ne- not just like the cups, the pieces. The pieces. And Jesus. So what happened is they would decide who gets the or which factory gets the winning piece. Then when then they would print the winning piece. It would get locked but locked in a vault behind uh you know keypads and combination locks. But it was this man, Jacobson, Uncle Jerry, who personally cut out the high value game pieces, put them in an, in an envelope. And then sealed each corner of the envelope with a tamper-proof metallic sticker. And then he wore them in a secret vest where he would bring them to the McDonald's packaging facilities across the country. No one no one thought to double-blind this particular study. They did. They had an independent auditor who would how follow he, him around. How did he get how did he get away with it? Well, he's a man. The independent auditor is a woman. He eventually came into some metallic tamper-proof tape to replace the other metallic tamper-proof tape and he would go into the bathroom and take out the good the good game pieces replace them with common game pieces seal it back up and come out of the airport bathroom wow sir bowser yes and like he wasn't even doing this necessarily to get rich like yeah he was getting rich but like one of the tickets he sent to a hospital a children's hospital a million dollar ticket okay he started basically just like meeting random people on the street and being like, hey, do you know anyone who can like pretend they don't know you and cash this ticket? And he would start making people drive to other states to like fly out to California and like literally rent an apartment and pay a uh, a bill so that they could say that they cashed it. They won it in California, the million dollars like. And that was before the mob got involved. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, so first of all, he's just playing sound, like, Yamaha sound system god over here. <laughs> um, and then, first of all, he, so he sent a winner to the highest tax state in the union to claim their fucking prize. That's, well, that's not I mean, nice. he sent them all over the place. That's, okay, I had, that's amazing. I also didn't realize that in between 1990 and 1995, um, there also, they were employees were stealing a lot of game pieces, so they actually started handing them out from a a roll at the counter. Like they weren't. Yeah, I I, re- I remember that. But in yep. 1995, it got so insane, and so many people wanted it. They had to ramp up scale, and so they had to start putting the game pieces back on the on the uh, on the cups on the and, cups again. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And okay. that's when that's when shit started to go down in 1995. Okay. It's it's the innovation that scale that always gets you. Um, I want to circle back. So before we get into it, like I just want to say that like did he set, so he sent the game pieces like on a cup to like he made sure like the cup wound up. No no no. He had the actual game piece and he would he would send he would give it to them and say like hey you need to drive to New Hampshire you need to go to the McDonald's and you need to buy hash browns because it was supposed to be on the hash browns. And you need to say you pulled this piece off of the hash browns in New Hampshire. Huh. But the problem is okay. he's he obviously can't be too close to the people. So it's like right. he's literally meeting people at random and telling them to tell their friends and family to cash it and then 
split the money with them. So what's his... Did he just not... Did he just like the power of giving away money? Well, no, he would like... Like if you gave him a $200,000 ticket, for example, he would ask for $45,000 of the winnings. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, now I, I see the thing. Okay, mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm with you. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, he was obviously making money, but he also, like... He gave it to his wife's sister to find somebody. He gave it to the children's hospital. He gave it to some other dude who would put in his Salvation Army tin. Like, oh, cool. Not a good cause. Well, and the thing is, is the reason he thought that it was okay was they had, like I said, they had a computer program that would decide which factory would get the piece. Yeah, sure. Well, one time he was observing the computer simulation and they kept rerunning it until it didn't get a Canadian factory. So he he didn't like the discrimination. And he was like, oh, well, obviously it's already rigged. I may rig it some more so I can get my greedy little hands on it. So he decided that just because McDonald's had rigged the system to not award any winners in Canada, (laughs) he was going to rig it further. He could just just... steal everything and give it to the mob. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I get it. I mean, mean, fuck Canada, obviously, but... So I want to know what the the rationale behind McDonald's being like, nah, no. (laughs) Well, it wasn't McDonald's, it it was Simon Marketing. McDonald's claims to have zero knowledge of any of this. Like all they could, all they needed to do for this entire thing was just say prizes is only eligible in the United States. (laughs) Like they didn't have to do this whole thing. So the best part about this is there are some just delicious nuggets in this story. Uh, Like no joke, this story is. I don't know how many words it is, but it took me probably a half hour to read straight through. Oh goodness, sorry, I've been interrupting you. I apologize. No, 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 it's fine. So, did you know that lotteries and sweepstakes have been around since even the 1500s? I did not know that. A Venetian man was condemned to death after tampering with a prize draw for 1,500 golden ducats. Ducats? Ducats? Ducats, I think. Ducats. A a parcel of silk and a live wild cat. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it was just like a... A cat they caught, like a feral cat they caught somewhere in in Venice or... I mean, 1621, I'm going to guess it was like... A bobcat? Yeah, it was definitely like a bobcat or some kind of big cat. Like, here's your 1,500 gold, some silk, and oh, by the way, you have to take this... You have to take care of this wild cat This feral wild cat. Have fun. You're going to need the silk to tie him up because he's going to be mad. So I didn't realize, and so, like, apparently, like lotteries and sweepstakes are just so rife with corruption that that's the reason that lotteries were banned in the United States for a long time in most yeah. states. So first of all, just to circle back and I mean, th- I think this story, if nothing else, it highlights just humanity's willingness to lie, cheat and steal all of their <laughs> like, so, so when, when did sweepstakes originate? The 1500s? 1522 is the earliest record. Okay. And that man was killed in 1642. No, he was just he was just killed, killed, killed. But like, what year was that? It doesn't say what year he was killed. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say 16, like less than a hundred years it took humanity to be like, oh, look at this cool thing that just rewards people for like just by chance or just a sense of community. We all just throw our, our hats in the ring, and oh, some lucky schlub wins a wins a hat or a gift like a fruit basket. Yeah, and it took some schlub a hundred years to figure out. I can cheat that. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. And I'm going to do it. And then it in after he did that, it took maybe I'm going to guess a day for other people to realize, oh, we can kill him for that. <laughs> I mean, sweepstakes are like like asking to be rigged, though. Uh, yes. Did I ever tell you about the time um, uh, the Palm Beach Gator Club won a sweepstakes or a naming contest for a rooftop bar? <laughs> In, in Palm Beach County, and they gave us a twenty or sorry a ten thousand dollar bar tab. Ten thousand dollar bar tab for how many people? Uh, well, the Gator Club was like three hundred or four hundred, but uh, twenty two people showed up. Did you guys die? Are all of you dead? Um, I um, 
So the best I remember is the last thing I remember I was uh, holding four Long Island iced teas in my hands at the same time, sipping from each straw. I remember a half half of the bar was just loaded up with the, the drinks we could not get to. Um, and then apparently I was um, kindly asked to leave the bar because um, on the dance floor, I jumped in between a uh, man in, in an affliction t-shirt and his girlfriend and danced on him and then ran away after like two seconds. Um, and I knew... what you got kicked out for that? That's... Oh, uh, no. I got kicked out because um, he came over to fight me mm, mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. I did that. Mm-hmm. And I was not really of mind and... <laughs> Just thought I was having a good time. And then, uh, so this is all relates to me by the bartender who, uh, when I asked her if she remembered me from last night, she was like, uh huh. Wait, um, did you go there to get your credit card? Uh huh. Yeah, oh, sure okay, did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so she was like, oh yeah, you got kicked out. I was like, that doesn't really sound like me. And then she was like, well, you danced in between a guy and his girlfriend. I was like, on him. I was like, okay, that does sound like me. Yeah. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. and then she's like, yeah. So then he tried to fight you, but like all your friends kind of like, got around to you and you were fine, but we had to kick all of you out. Uh, and I was like, I didn't know anyone in that group. <laughs> so thank God they and helped look, me. Just, just for our listeners out there, um, Michael Cushing is a dancing machine. Mm-hmm. You can't stop me. When he gets on the dance floor, there are no rules. It's like Outback out there. Mm-hmm. At my just, wedding, mm-hmm. my mom came up to me and she said, to be uh, fair, this was not because of my dancing. No, it was because well, of our I'm friend. I'm sure it was because of your dancing. Well, I did call. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I enticed it. She says, "Hey, your friend Oded is simulating oral sex on the dance floor with your friend Mike." And mm-hmm. I said, "Yeah, and." Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Your grandma's here," and I was like, "Oh yeah, you're right." You're right. Grandmas are here. So I had to come over and tell you guys. I said, I had to say, hey, oh, dad, you know, this is not coming from me. Yeah. But you have to stop simulating oral sex on Kush on the dance floor. And then I got to continue my highly sexually charged dance. Yes. And oh, dad couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And that that's the way the cookie, cr- the sex cookie crumbles. <laughs> Probably. Okay, Michael, let's finish the story. <laughs> So the best part about this story, well, not the best part, but one of the good parts is that he is from around the Atlanta area. Yeah, Lawrenceville, I see. Yep, Lawrenceville. Uh, a lot of this stuff happens in South Carolina area around a lake and uh, Lake. Uh, don't remember the lake in Georgia, but one of the Lake Hartwell. Okay, that's a big one. Sure, but basically, he he kept telling people to move to basically make it look like they were uh, from different states and cities. And it was really easy for the FBI to trace all of those people through records and, you know, Social Security, basically around a 25-mile radius around his lake house in <laughs> Georgia. So what what tipped off the FBI that something was like, were they just monitoring, monitoring this? Because they're like, well, no, somebody this, tipped, is, this is ripe for abuse. Well, no, actually, someone tipped him off. Uh, they don't know who. Okay. They just said that. You know, there's this guy named Uncle Jerry. He works with the mob, the Colombo yeah. crime family. We haven't even talked about the mob yet. Oh, my God. Dude, I don't know how much of this I'm going to have to cut, but I just want to tell you the whole story. Yeah. I mean, let's hear... The thing about this, it seems like... Before you even get into like what the mob is doing, it seems like such... You watch mob movies. <laughs> And like there are these grand schemes, like I mean, like yeah, sure they're they're taking money from like mom and pop stores and like they're running garbage trucks, but like they're these powerful families like with millions and millions of dollars. Like this seems like such small potatoes and like just like a nuanced crime for a mob family to get into. But <laughs> yo, shit. we we are heavily into the monopoly circuit. Yeah, yo, you want Broadwalk? <laughs> what is it? Boardwalk? Yeah, you want Boardwalk? <laughs> Got to pay. So. <laughs> this man Jacobson met Gennaro Colombo, who is the head. He was the head of the Colombo crime family. Big he, whoop. Griselda Blanco baked my mom cookies one time. He met him in an Atlanta airport in 1995. And this story doesn't make any okay, sense. Okay, now I know where the FBI got, got onto his scent. Okay, <laughs> got it. It doesn't make any sense because he says that this guy just sat next to him and he said, Oh, hey, where are you headed? And Colombo unzipped a bulging purse full of $100 bills and said, Atlantic City. 
Colombo said he was born in Sicily and raised in Brooklyn before moving to South Carolina where he operated adult nightclubs, underground casinos, and a sports betting ring. He claimed to be a member of New York's infamous Colombo crime family. So okay. supposedly he just sat next to this guy at the Atlanta airport and this guy was like, hey, by the way, I'm in the mob. Would would you? <laughs> No. Would you take that? Would you take that suitcase of money and go to Atlantic State, uh, Atlantic City? Nah, nah, man, I'm getting out of there. Michael, I've you've texted me a lot of fun drunk stories. Yes, that's not. I one love of your. Them. Okay, no, I'm not getting involved with the mob, man. But like, you have no. I mean, it could just be an eccentric old Italian man <laughs> who just like is dying and wants to give you, like, wants to give a random stranger at the airport a million. Like, I would have no re- like you. Honestly, I would be more worried that, okay, you're a narc, you're an FBI undercover agent who just has the suitcase full of money, and as soon as I do anything here, I don't know what the crime would be for taking a suitcase of money from you in the airport, but I'm sure you'll arrest me. Yeah. That would be my worry. That's the thing, is like, I would assume that I'm either being punked, I'm on some kind of, like, candy camera show, <laughs> or I'm about to be arrested, and either way, I don't want any of that. I guess the on the other the other side of it, though, is like, if a mobster did do that, I would assume it would have to be no strings attached because I literally have nothing to offer the mob. <laughs> like, I just, I like, there's no piece of me is worth anything to organize crime. So after this guy is like, hey, by the way, I'm in the mob, Jacobson says, hey, I work in promotional gaming and starts telling him how he works for the McDonald's thing. Why would you tell a mobster I this? I don't know. But this Colombo guy... He apparently liked to skirt the rules because he's in the mob. But one of the Weird. little tidbits is that when Charleston County, Georgia passed new laws restricting where strip clubs could be operated, he opened a house of worship named the Church of the Funny But Fuzzy Bunnies. Uh-huh. Is that still around? He says, I want them to read the Bible for two hours every night and then we'll drink and let the girls dance. Who claimed that, said Colombo, who claimed that God came to him in a dream with the idea. <laughs> Mostly for the the tax freedom, I assume. It's church, it's coming at me, Georgia. I don't know why you would open that establishment in Georgia. I mean, he it's because he that's where he worked, South Carolina and Georgia, man. Fair enough. He All was right. the South Carolina. I didn't know the South Carolina and Georgia had a mob scene, but apparently this Michael- dude was all up in it. I feel like any any area of the country that has a healthy. Lonely entrepreneur drug scene in it has at least one or two mafia representatives collecting said drugs from said trailers. <laughs> so basically, this was the start of the uh, the crime. A beautiful friendship. Yeah. So basically, he started handing out the million dollar prizes to to the mob guy. The mob guy would basically filter them through, basically like he was laundering money, and it would eventually get mm-hmm. to someone who wasn't really connected to any of them, and then they would cash the prize, the money would trickle would back up, and, you know, everything would work out. Again, though, like, it feels like it's just not that, it's not worth, the, like, a million dollars is a million dollars, but, like, after that, like, amount of laundering, like, the amount of people you have to pay off to get this shit, like, it doesn't seem worth it. Well, apparently, the, he would reach out to people who owed him a ton of money. Okay, now, yeah, okay. He'd yep, be like, hey, out. you cash this shit, I'll wipe your debt clean. You give me another $70,000. You keep 90. Not only are you debt free from me, you now have $90,000. And a banging sound system. Call it a day. You got a, you got a Dodge Viper in your hands. Congrats. <laughs> Technically, I have that now. So do you remember the gray colored M&M promotional contest? Yeah. The imposter M&M? Uh-huh. Well, apparently M&M's also contracted simon marketing for this and so oh, shit colombo had a frozen gray m&m in his freezer for a long time and the person who won it um actually won it before the contest was even announced he found the gray m&m before they even announced the contest and he just had to hold on to it for a, for a minute no like he literally cashed it before they announced oh shit okay yeah well is this is this how they they got like they were sniffing his trail no the 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 tip there was a tip that gave that gave them away and then they started they basically started tracking these people and they let it sounds like they let another two or three 
games go by to collect enough evidence to take down 50 plus people for this. So he stole more than $24 million oh, in yes. cash and prizes. Oh, yes. So, Michael, I didn't have a fucking chance. No, you didn't. All I, all the only chance, you know, how am I to even know that this guy wasn't funneling egg McMuffins and ice cream cones to people? Taking hard-earned food out of my mouth. <laughs> hard-earned free food. I don't know what this guy was up to. He could have been having breakfast for all his mob friends. Look, I'm basically... He gave, Michael, he gave me, when I was 11 years old, all the free coffee I could fucking handle. He... Fuck you, Jacob. And any sweepstakes that happened in the 90s, this guy probably fucking rigged. Yeah. So anytime you thought you were going to win anything, now fuck you. Yeah. God damn... So is is he in jail? Because I'm getting like I'm reading some articles now. And, like it doesn't sound like he's in jail. He's not in jail anymore. Okay. He basically went to jail for ooh, I don't three years. Yeah, not very long. He had to pay back twelve and a half million dollars. He did have to pay which, back twelve and a half million dollars. First of all, good for this guy <laughs> for having twelve and a half million dollars <laughs> on hand because Michael, we've talked about our our spending habits. I would not have 12 and a, obviously the guy's a little bit older. I would not have 12 and a half million dollars no. at the end of 12 years. No, if I was rigging all those games and just making money, I would be spending all that. Because like, you can't claim it on your taxes. No. <laughs> so no. this guy, Jacobson, was also big into um, psychics. Oh, I was, okay, I was wondering where the psychics came in. I thought they were just going to like, the psychics were going to be paid or, or like would hunt down pieces that he told them about <laughs> well the psychics like, oh, come I had in two different places that at the huntsville yeah okay so Sorry, colombo the head of the mobster crime family he actually died in a car crash and his wife was driving uh-huh and he kept getting texts on his beeper but he just wouldn't answer them he was just like i don't want to deal with this they got into a car accident and he died later on and when the mother, when his, when his mom got to the hospital, she said that she was trying to beep him because she had a vision in a dream that said he was going to die in a car crash. Holy shit. So that's one of the psychics. The other psychic is the fact that Jacobson had an affinity for psychics and he actually would pay for his psychic readings in game pieces sometimes. Okay, yeah. In fact, he gave a $50,000 game piece in exchange for fortune-telling and chiropractic services from the same person. <laughs> it's weird how a trusted medical profession like chiropractic, chiropractic work is just so tightly interwoven with another very obviously legit profession like uh, mind reading. Um, so one of the McDonald's people who was involved in it was named Amy Murray. Okay, yeah, I was just... So I found a paragraph in this article. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And please, it contains... Please read the paragraph, because I hope it's the paragraph I'm thinking of. It contains the most buckwild <laughs> aside, like just random tidbit. Okay, so... The tip came to the FBI in March 2000. Is this the paragraph? Uh, yes, it is. You had in mind. Special, Special Agent Dent called Amy Murray, the McDonald's spokesperson, to say he believed that William Fisher, the $1 million of the 1996 Delu Deluxe Monopoly game, was a fraud. Murray was a quick-thinking Midwesterner who had risen through the ranks at McDonald's and was often the public face of the company during any drama. She was the, quote, McQueen, end quote, of McDonald's, said Joe Maggard, a disgraced Ronald McDonald actor who was convicted of making <laughs> harassing phone calls while posing as the clown. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's the one. I had that one saved in a different document. Like, why would you, first of all, why would you trust the word of a man who had once portrayed Ronald McDonald's on TV and then, like, presumably got his kicks drunkenly making harassing phone calls while dressed as Ronald McDonald? So I was trying to figure out, like, if he was making the calls while posing as the clown meant that he was using the clown's voice, but I've never heard him talk. So, yeah, he must have been just dressed like the clown. Right? The best, actually, the best part about that, this inclusion, is that this is the only mention of Joe Maggard 
in this entire article. Yeah, they just which means felt that the need to first of all say his name and then second of all call him out. And like again, first of all, just for this Mick Queen quote, because I guess he was the only one who said this. But again, for this story, they interviewed everyone, everyone possible. Which again. It, Next time I hear fucking Donald Trump talk about fake news and how journalists are enemies of the people, it's like, I point to this. They talk to the fucking clown man. Oh, yeah. About the clown the, man. About the crime story. The disgrace clown man. And, like, not only not only did they just not use his quote about this, like, semi-shady McDonald's spokesperson, they included the fact that, yes, Mike, we've talked about that today's journalists don't always ask the mm-hmm, tough questions. Mm-hmm. They... Did the digging and made sure that I knew that the, the man who was included in this story only to say she was the McQueen of McDonald's. I also know that he was arrested for making harassing phone calls while dressed as Ronald McDonald. And not just dressed as while posing. He made threatening phone calls as Ronald McDonald. They could have just said she was the quote unquote McQueen of McDonald's according to sources or people within mcdonald's or whatever they like specifically were like nah we need to call this dude out because that's fucked up just so you just so everyone knows that this entire era of mcdonald's was buck wild and horrible <laughs> like that's that is such an incredible paragraph mm-hmm. like this guy is not germane to the story nope he didn't he didn't steal any money he's not he mentioned again nope i i did a control f for joe maggard or maggard this is the one mention one for one. I'm really still not over the fact that this man stole five years of my enjoyment of McDonald's Monopoly and, again, made me gain 45 pounds. Well, and part of what brought him down was the fact that, like, he would recruit people at random. Then they would have to recruit other people. So it was kind of like a pyramid scheme. But at the same time, like, he would be giving a million dollar piece to someone or a $200,000 piece. And... Obviously, McDonald's wanted to highlight these people because McDonald's would increase the sales, would increase their sales with through this game by like a ridiculous amount, like 25 or 30%. I can't remember what the exact number is. So they wanted to highlight the people who actually won. And so like, right, if somebody came forward with a million dollar winner, they'd be like, hey, we want to put you on TV. And these fucking people who knew that they did not win this legitimately were like, Yes. No, thanks. <laughs> they were okay. like, they yes, were... please put me on the television. I'd love to. Also, I am massively in debt to a mob boss. Right? Like, just take the fucking money and be like, nah, I want to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like the it's not like the public lottery. You have the right to be like, <laughs> right? no, thanks. I will just take my free Big Mac and a million dollars. Thank you. Goodbye. Anyways, Good. so... Basically, they let the game go on one game longer so they could collect as much evidence as possible. And they decided that the best way they had an idea to help them trap the suspects. They were like, look, we need to take everyone down at once. We don't want anyone destroying any evidence. We don't want anyone getting skittish and running away. So their first idea was to invite every corrupt winner to Las Vegas for a winner's reunion so they can just arrest everyone all at once <laughs> well that's not that, i mean those people didn't commit crimes did they well some of them probably did. Yeah. the mob people did but what if it was just one of those people he found on the street and we're just like hey here's the thing you're not like defrauding mcdonald's are you instead are they you? decided you that probably that would, are huh <laughs> instead they decided to shoot fake mcdonald's commercials where they would show up at your house like publisher's clearing house and interview you and then be like oh by the way you're going to jail <laughs> <laughs> okay that is that seems like an egregious mismanagement of federal funds but i can't i'm into it like if if you're gonna spend money i'd rather it be on the, like on trolling people who are like stealing again from me a loyal mcdonald's mm-hmm, customer mm-hmm. rather than building an aircraft carrier i'd rather you do that do you remember uh the pepsi points Oh, fuck yeah, dog. You remember the Harrier jet guy? Oh, yeah. We talked about that, right? 
I think so. Where he like I don't know. Actually, I can't remember if we talked about it or yeah. He tried to no. I think we talked about this on Slack. Uh, he tried to he tried to buy a Harrier jet. Yeah, because the they, they had the commercial like, where it was like a fake thing where it was like twenty million points get you a Harrier jet. So him and, and his he saved people, up all the yeah. points, and then the Supreme Court was like, obviously a Harrier jet is not a commercial <laughs> item for sale. And I was like, that was not made clear in the terms of service of this particular prize so i would like my harrier yeah so thanks for that uh yeah i mean again i'm can i say this i miss i miss monopoly from mcdonald's i do too like it was a fun fucking time it was twice a year scramble around get some large fries always get those large fries Mm -hmm. what'd you say was a 25 percent sales bump during the the monopoly event i don't remember the exact number but it was i mean it was big and like i believe it Again, just from the Cushing household alone, we're talking big money. I mean, it makes sense. Like, if you're if you're trying to think of where to go, especially like in the '90s, you, like there wasn't Grubhub or Postmates or whatever. Like, you're trying. There's only so many fast food places, and you're like, I could go to Burger King, I could go to Taco Bell, I could go, to, but like, I this, could win a million dollars. This was before. This was the days when Taco Bell still had the Yoki or Taco Bell dog. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the cheese gritty to crunch. They did not have the naked chicken chalupa. They weren't really operating on all cylinders anymore. Burger King still had their good fries, so they they were still a player in the game. But McDonald's was just better. And again, I could I had the option of winning a million dollars until this fuck took it away from me. It's okay though because there is a McDonald's curse. The very what? first ticket. That was ever given to Gennaro Colombo, head of the Colombo crime family, was to win a Dodge Viper, a car. Uh-huh. Was he killed in a car he accident by a, a Dodge crash. Viper? I mean, it wasn't a Dodge Viper, but he, he died oh. in a car crash. And then once they I arrested these guys, there was still winning tickets out there that weren't claimed by evil people. And a man in a full Pizza Hut uniform collected one. A Taco Bell owner collected another one. And a former homeless man who was later charged with beating his fiance, hmm. which it was a PR nightmare for McDonald's, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was really, I was, I was about to say you were, you almost hit like the Yum Brands trifecta of Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, and KFC. K- like, yeah, like a KFC customer just bought one too, and then you you took a hard no, turn into homeless uh, like abuser, and that was. I didn't love hearing that. Also, a group of Burger King restaurants tried to get a class action lawsuit together. Wait, towards McDonald's for having this competition in the first place? Like, <laughs> hey. For having the competition be corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you you cheated to steal all of our business. Yeah. You jerks. Well, Michael, we've talked for quite a while about this. Um, what else? Shit, we've talked for 45 minutes about this. I love it. Uh Speaking of beef, <laughs> uh-huh. uh huh. Have you have you heard about the the Bigfoot dick, um, Michael? How could I not? Uh, again, this is the story that was tailor made. <laughs> like we talked last week about Chuck, last week or two weeks ago about Chuck Tingle, the uh, the. Uh, Romance? I'm going to say romance author. Well, according he to his ha- Twitter profile, he is uh, an erotic author and Taekwondo grandmaster with a PhD yeah. from DeVry University in holistic massage. Well, with all of that, he already has a book out about this exact topic. So <laughs> the man works fast. <laughs> What's the name of that book? Don't vote for Virginia congressional hopeful Denver Wiggleman because he is full of hate, not because Bigfoot makes him hard. And the cover is a very muscular young man with a a trendy haircut and a big beard looking through a magnifying glass with really nice oiled up abs and muscles. Mm -hmm. And then behind him, a really jacked up Bigfoot is just kind of like flexing and coming up on him. Yeah, there's no Bigfoot dick, though. Well, no, because again, it, it is for sale on Amazon.com. Mm. You can't mm-hmm. just have the dick floating around. But um, I'm just impressed that he got it out so fast. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the nice thing about have this, you been, Dan- have you been to Chuck Tingle's Twitter page? By the way, I'm on it right now. Actually, the he has so much header Bigfoot is so. Content. The header of this page, the background. Is is incredible. There's a corn cob. There's a a raptor wearing a spacesuit. 
Uh-huh. There is the physical manifestation of Autumn. Come to fuck you. He's there. There's a guy um, there's, in a jet. There's a Jack dude who turns on into a, a missile, I think, or a spaceship. Yeah. Um, a gorilla yeah, with a, a man's body. There's the state of Nevada, I think, with a man's face staring out at you. Um, I everyone you just got to check out Chuck Tingles. Twitter page. That's all there is to it. We can't do it justice. You got to see what's going on here. I've um, spent 10 years searching for timelines within my own body in a normal way. Eventually, I started to shake and drool on a daily basis. I finally understood my bones for what they really were. Markers in time. I've been hard as rocks ever since. What are you, what are you reading to? I don't know. It was, who is this from? It's just a, a shared image on Chuck Tingle's page. Okay, well... There's a picture anyway. of the It clown, and it says Burgerman profile. Ronald McDonald is number one accor- number one Burgerman, according to Burgerman magazine, selling five burgers for every person in the world. What Burger is Man's happening? A very fu- Burgerman's a very funny world. Uh, Michael, can you tell... What is, what is going on with this story? <laughs> what happened? Well... And I know the basis is that one congressional candidate kink shamed another congressional candidate. Yeah, so D- Denver Riggleman, I think, is his actual name. Yeah. Not Denver Wiggleman, which is on the cover yeah. of Chuck Tingle's book. I assume that's for um, lawsuit purposes. <laughs> so Denver Riggleman. So let's dive right in. <laughs> Denver Wait, let me, let me make sure. It is Denver Riggleman. It is yeah. Denver Riggleman. Um, so the opponent of denver riggleman in the virginia congressional race yes yes. she tweeted out that um she says my opponent denver riggleman running mate of Corey stewart was caught on camera campaigning with a white supremacist which is bad very bad now he has been exposed as a devotee of bigfoot erotica this is not what we need on capitol hill and so basically Leslie Cockburn <laughs> is kink shaming Denver Riggleman for his Bigfoot situation, his Bigfoot erotica, his his sex squatch, if you will. Yeah. Uh, stories. And Chuck Tingle was not not too thrilled with that because he is a fine purveyor of Bigfoot erotica. Of Bigfoot erotica. Yeah. Um I will say but I mean again, he yeah. Don't get mad at him because he's he gets boners for Bigfoot. Um so I have oh, shit. Leslie Cockburn is the mother of actor Olivia Wilde. What? Yes. Man, this story has a lot of depth <laughs> to it. Um, okay, so the original picture, from what I can see, it has a censored bar over Bigfoot's apparently gigantic, like almost a like Borat level, like hilarious swinging censor bar over the penis. Well, especially because um, Bigfoot is already big. Right. But like the caption says like don't include the sensor bar you cowards basically um it's hanging down to his knees though right but i can't tell if if every news outlet is running a story with the same sensor bar down to his knees or and like the the image that this man posted (laughs) was just bigfoot hanging dong (laughs) down to his knee and everyone just made the conscious decision to be like yeah we can't publish this one (laughs) Or if he included it from the get-go. It's just a knowing, drawing, like, though. I mean, a drawing that he made, I believe, for the book that he's writing about Bigfoot erotica. And, like, the picture looks like it's just... Have you ever seen... I mean, you've seen Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. So it's like the the, the Night King, like, doing his little shrug thing after he fucking destroyed Jon Snow's army. That's basically what the Bigfoot's doing. He's like, I got a big dog. Yeah, come come figure it out. Um, Michael, what is the name of his book? You know, I didn't look that part up. Would you like me to tell you? Uh, yes. It is called The Mating Habits of Bigfoot and Why Women Want Him. Mm. Mm-hmm. With a presumably hand-drawn illustrations. So, Rolling Stone Magazine interviewed <laughs> Mr. Riggleman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one of the questions they ask him, uh, you're writing a new book, The Mating Habits of Bigfoot and Why Women Want Him. Yeah, when do yeah, you plan yeah. on publishing? So they interviewed him today. This is from literally 620 Eastern Time, July 31st. 
He says, my book is a political allegory. I thought I'd self-publish it. To me, it's just hilarious. Now I'm trying to figure out when to publish. His book about the mating habits of Bigfoot and why women want him with a picture hand-drawn of a slingandong Bigfoot yeah. is a political allegory. I mean, I don't want to sound too flip, but like, I don't know. When I was probably seven or eight years old, Mike, you remember like the um, composition notebooks? You had like the white and black speckled notebooks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had like a pretty, I was kind of obsessed with submarine warfare when I was like seven or eight. And I had a pretty like, I think binder to like end to end covered notebook of stories about Bigfoot dick submarine warfare mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. shot out poop torpedoes. <laughs> <laughs> poop torpedoes. Like, like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, wait. Torpedoes of poop. Torpedoes like made just, of poop. So, but they were yeah. like in torpedo form. So it was like petrified poop, or would it break out into poop when it hit? It, it would. It would maintain form until it hit the target, and then just like because again, I was seven or eight. I didn't want to kill anyone on the submarines, but like, hey, now you're just covered in. Would it come out the old... back of the submarine though? No, from the front. It's from Michael. You got to open the torpedo base. It's worth listen. We're not getting. We're not going to be really blue here in my my childhood fantasies. But again. My eight-year-old self, essentially, I don't know, three or four years removed me, like, hey, it'd be really funny if Bigfoot had a huge dick and, like, wandered around and, like, seduced people. Um, and then then I ran for Congress mm-hmm. at, like, 11. Um, and I feel like this is the legacy that Donald Trump will leave behind. Literally, anyone feels like it is their right and like they are capable of running for office and be like yeah i have this dumb thing i'm just gonna publish this book about i don't know the chupacabra sucking dicks left and right well what i think it's funny what fucking kills me about this is that like he it's not like he has a book from his past he's actively writing and trying to shop this new book while he is running for congress can you um, like the shit that people used to lose political races for back in the day was like hey he like looked at the wrong person the wrong way or he i mean bill clinton had to claim he didn't inhale weed right and like now dudes are just like yeah you know what i wrote about a bigfoot's dong and now you're gonna elect me congress i mean mitt romney probably lost his election because he he said the words binders full of women (laughs) I mean, that's that's a good point. I mean, it was a stupid thing to say. I mean, it's a stupid, very more like thing Al to Gore, say. like a lockbox. Lockbox. Lock box. Yeah, I mean, he just lost because he was an uncharismatic He shithead. was a piece of wood with arms. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway. But this is where we're at. The, the, like, and I've, I've talked before, I think, I don't know about on this show, but like thinking about the next generation of politicians, like serious politicians, who like just have to worry about all of their like party photos on Facebook coming out. Like just like the photos that people didn't even have them tagged in, but they have like they remember them, like like those will come out. Like the things you can't even control at this point. But it won't matter. But but yeah, it won't matter. But like it, like I like a couple years ago, I thought it would. It was like Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Here's a picture of like uh, Paul Ryan doing a keg stand. Oh, yeah, but he wants to take away, like, you know, welfare from poor people. So he's cool. But, like, I didn't think it would get to the point of, like, Tumblr kinks coming out and being like, well, I guess it's fine. Like, I likes Bigfoot, Dick. I just want I mean, like, yeah. But, like, what are know? his policies, though? I mean, cryptids first, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably not. I guess he's not big on women's rights. <laughs> That's just. Or. To be fair, understands what a woman wants at all, but period. The, is. the funny thing is that I saw this story and this tweet before I saw the Chuck Tingle tweet. And I was oh, like, yeah, I, sure. I sent it to you on Slack. And I said, literally, I said, oh, kink shame much? Like, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit. But like, wh- why do we care if he looks at Bigfoot dick or he writes like you, th- you dick? for To start, you thought she was the, yeah. the, the wrong She was the aggressor here. in this situation. Then Chuck Tingle, our... Good, good buddy. Yeah, I'm just gonna, our best. I mean, buddy. our best bud. I mean, we we've read yeah. all of his books now. Um, came out and basically said the same thing. I was like, "See, I'm justified because just Chuck Tingle agrees with me." And that's where I we am. are in 2018. Is that I feel justified when a Bigfoot former dinosaur erotica writer 
current mm-hmm. churner outer of a book a week apparently agrees with me about Bigfoot Dick. Yeah. I think my big thing about the the image that he posted <laughs> and about the book, which I again I have to assume is a hand drawn cover of this book. <laughs> Um, without knowing anything about his policies or anything, but just knowing, I don't know which party he's from. Um, so it's called the mating habits of Bigfoot and why women want him. And the image is just, again, a hand-drawn Bigfoot with massive abs and a dong down to his knees. And this man just assumes that all women want is a massive penis, a wild, like no words man or beast just to take them left and right. And I feel like that's just the I can't put it into words. I just like it's just like the entire Republican ethos about women. It's <laughs> like, yeah, no, they don't like me because I don't have this massive hog <laughs> and ripped abs. And Harry, so I gotta, I gotta, in, I gotta invent the sat. I gotta invent a Sasquatch to come and take her because are stealing my dude, my ladies because well, they don't want me. But on the bright side, it did make media outlets like the Washington Post write articles called Let's Talk About Bigfoot Erotica. And that is and can sexy Bigfoot be found in Virginia? <laughs> that is the plus side of think of the the era we're entering. Like we can talk about Harry and the Hendersons, but what if Harry was hot as fuck and now the Washington Post and New York Times have to write about it because the congressional <laughs> candidate thinks that Harry from Harry and the Hendersons Probably deserved a blowjob. What's really funny is that I went to an article that I on the, the Google search, and the header picture is of Harry from Harry and the Hendersons with the flower. There you go. Yeah. And it's a uh, famed erotica writer, Chuck Tingle, on why people are horny for Bigfoot. What are his why does he why does he think people are horny for Bigfoot? Because I'm not, so I'm curious. <laughs> You've written multiple erotic stories about Bigfoot. Bigfoot Pirates Haunt My Balls, seduced by Dr. Bigfoot, attorney at large. How did you first start writing Bigfoot erotica, and what is it about Bigfoot you think people find erotic? And by the way, all of these answers, um, they have very little punctuation and only lowercase words. (laughs) Sure, yeah. I first started writing tales of Bigfoot long, long ago, but I was told this was not a good way, so I stopped, and now recently I've begun again. But I will say, when I started to write about this handsome creature again, it was very fulfilling because of the way Bigfoot is to care for the world and the plants and the creatures that live in it. Sure. So even though they're very strong and handsome and maybe seem like they have a bad boy way, they're actually very thoughtful. I think buckaroos <laughs> yeah. find this erotic between because walking between two worlds is an erotic way. Big feet are part of the forest but can also live normal big city life. So this is a way that has two very nice sides and gets many people hard as rocks in a normal way. Who talks and are this what his books are like? I think so. Because they're bad. Um, yeah. I think Buckaroo is like his parlance for just like a, a true, a true like lover. Eight Bigfoot Buckaroos Hate My Butt and Pound It by Chuck Tingle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bigfoot Settlers Claim My Butthole mm-hmm. and Butt Night. Battle Royale with a picture of a Bigfoot on the front. So I was making fun of Fortnite Battle Royale, mm, obviously. Mm, 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 um, yeah, okay. Well, Michael, I don't know how much deeper we can go into <laughs> Bigfoot butts. Uh, <laughs> you know when you say things on the podcast and then you say them and then you just know your friend Dave is going to text you yeah, about it as yeah. soon as he gets to... As soon as he gets to minute 65 of the He's episode. He's going to be like, oh, I can go plenty deep in Bigfoot butt. Yeah. Huh. Wait, Beans. let's try and just make whatever jokes we think Dave's going to make about that comment. Uh, I can't. I mean, like, honestly, like I want to. But... Oh, not as deep as I went in your butt that night when you were asleep. Yeah. Not as deep um, as they went in Lemon Party 2.0. My wife doesn't want it deep. She just wants it wide. <laughs> Dave, please don't kill me for talking about your wife. Oh like my God, I'm just saying what you would say. <laughs> the tuna can dick is his favorite joke to make, so I feel like he won't. He can't get mad what at me. What if it was like a? If, you know how they like do the stack of tuna can dicks, where it's like four tuna cans and one mm-hmm. one wrapper? That's what mine looks like. Okay, congrats, bud. That's pretty good. 
Nice. Proud of you. Would you read Riggleman's book, Mating Habits of Bigfoot and Why Women Want Him? There are good books and not-so-good books, but that is not always important to me because there is something to learn from even not-so-good books. What is important to me as man name of Chuck is whether a book was written to prove love is real, and from what I have heard, this is not a book with love in its butt's heart, so I will probably <laughs> skip it. Holy shit, this guy is illiterate. Chuck he is Tingle a doctor, is illiterate. Though. I mean, his tweets are pretty coherent. No, they're not. I'm just reading them now. These aren't sentences that go together. Okay, well, Michael, obviously, you know, we each have to buy three of his books and read them and report back on a book report episode. <laughs> we'll do a Trends and Tingle Places mm. mini sode. Yeah. All right, Michael, I think I think it's going to do it for us this week on Trends and Places. You getting any final thoughts for me this week? Um, Yes. One. I have one. I just found out that apparently Tom Cruise did not know that there was porn on the internet. What? Does he yeah, know that there's the internet? I honestly I don't think Tom Cruise knows there's the internet. Hmm. I was I just read I read an article. Uh, apparently Judd Apatow did an interview, um, and he was on the Late Show with uh, Tom Cruise and Seth Rogen, and. Um, or he met Tom Cruise and they were talking about him and he wanted to do some sort of like romantic comedy along the lines of, you know, knocked up uh, and, you know, Wait, Tom super bad. Tom Cruise wanted to do that? Tom Cruise wanted to do that. And this was back in 2006. <laughs> okay. And, and so apparently they were making, Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow were making Knocked Up. And Apatow was like, oh, well, why don't you, you know, he invited Seth Rogen to meet Tom Cruise so they could talk about the process and like the movie they're making. And no one knew who Seth Rogen was at this point, um, because basically all he had done at that point was 40 year old virgin. He was just like the one of the store workers. And um, so they were talking to Tom Cruise and he's like, I don't know how it came up. But as it usually does with Seth, he starts talking about marijuana and pornography. And then he starts talking about watching adult films on the Internet. And Tom Cruise says, quote, what? You're saying there's adult films on the Internet? Get the fuck out of here. And to be fair, this was 2006, which... Okay. By this point, I had downloaded a handful of adult films on the internet. Yeah. Um, and Tom, so Seth's just like, yeah, I'll source these movies on the websites. <laughs> Tom says, wait a second. You're saying if I go on the computer, on the World Wide Web, quote, World Wide Web, there are people having sex. Jesus. And Rogan told Cruz that he watches porn on the internet, quote, all the time. Everybody does it. It's not a big deal anymore. Oh, my God. So Tom Cruise learned that there was porn on the internet. The man who was in Mission Impossible hacking all the all the best computers did not know that there was porn on the World Wide Web. Also, he ca- he called it the World Wide Web in two thousand six. <laughs> in two thousand six, yeah, like Facebook was out, but the iPhone was not. Mm, that's a good point. So there wasn't mobile porn for Tom Cruise to you know check out on all of his good Scientology mm-hmm, trips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael. Let's let's close it out. What do you got for me? Any any closing thoughts? Today was sunbathing by my pool, totally naked. After a while, I got a boner and decided to jerk off. As I was at the pool, apparently. At, after I, as I was about to finish, I rolled over to come on the deck. But when I rolled back, my elderly neighbor yelled, "Don't do that in the open if you won't give up the money shot." <laughs> <laughs> The hubris of jerking off at the pool mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is just egregious to me. I don't care what kind of rinky-dink apartment complex you're living at. If you're going to do that, you owe everyone the service of letting them see you finish. <laughs> You've made like your if, choice. I mean, like if, if you're going to let them watch you cook the meal, you better let them eat, you know? It's like watching the Food Network. Yeah. Except you can't even make it food yourself. Yeah, except and then Rachel Wade, like, just, sorry. Then Rachel Wade just throws the food in the trash can. She says, fuck you. I make a million dollars this episode. Has she said that on air before? Yeah, she probably did. Yeah. All right, Michael, it's been lovely talking with you this week. Has it, though? Actually, it has. I think it's been a good one. I think this episode was different because we talked about one thing for 45 minutes rather than like dinosaur dongs for like, I don't know, 30 minutes. So it's I just I couldn't I couldn't stop reading. It is the most fascinating heist story I've ever read. 
it's the best story we've had since Vietnam ripping apples in half. <laughs> like, get, hands down, it's the best the best story we've had. Apples down. Yeah. Well, everyone, if you like this story, I think I think this one deserves a blog post. I think Michael and I will collaborate mm-hmm. on a blog post before this. This episode one deserves comes out. an Emmy or a Oscar yeah. or whatever they give out for this. Uh, potty. We've talked about the potty, the potty awards. We need. Hey, actually, we just need to claim that and just make that. Um, yeah. If you like this episode, you can find out more information at goodbuddymedia.com. Um, we also. You can also find out more on our sister show, Longest Days of Our Lives, in which Michael and I and our good friend Curtis are watching every single episode of 24. I think we've kind of just by default shifted into a two-week episode cadence because we have schedules like and approximately every 11 days. Yeah, it's not even it's just kind of when we get to it, which <laughs> sorry to our our three fan that we've discovered. You guys are the best and we really apologize. But um you can find out more information about both of those shows there. You can also shoot us an email at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com um, if you want to share a story or have us read a message to a fellow listener. Um, we love to hear from our fans. Uh, we read every single message we get, and uh, we would love to hear from you. So if you have something to send, please hit us up at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. And Michael, how else can people help us out? You can find us on all of the podcast apps. Uh, you can find us by searching for Trends in Low Places. And when you do, please uh, put your Bigfoot dick right on that subscribe button (laughs) and uh, (laughs) give us a review or rating. Uh, You know, that's how we move up the the chart of the the best podcast to talk about Bigfoot dicks this week. Um, And that is a very prestigious list that everyone wants to be on. So, yeah, please do that. And uh, also look for us on your social medias at T.I.L.P. Cast at Tiltcast um, for Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or by searching Trends in Low Places. And please give us a like, a retweet, a share, anything to let your friends know that uh, we got all the Bigfoot dicks right here. Yeah. And if you could actually just tweet or share on Facebook this episode with the hashtag best Bigfoot dick. Mm, yeah. Um, after you listen to this episode, we would really appreciate because it. Because here's it the thing. It would go a long way. Here's the thing. This is a big story. Mm-hmm. Bigfoot dick was a big story, but like the best Bigfoot the dick. The best Bigfoot dick was right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And so we pl- need you to please. let people know that. So do it. Do, do it. it. Well, Michael, it's been lovely talking to you this week. Love you, buddy. Love you too. Toodles. Bye.